Okay, so Vayera has a lot of uh, very fascinating components to it. Uh, each one of them really requires a lot of ion. Uh, it's a shame that these parshas, in a way, are not broken up more because we don't really have enough time to cover all of the many, many, many different lessons that we could take from these parshas. But we have to try anyway. And tonight we're going to speak about Amuna through a parsha in this week's parsha about Hagar. So what happens is that Avram and Sarah give birth to a, a baby by the name of Yitzchak. And one day Sarah notices that the son of Hagar Hamitzris, whose name was Yishmael, was becoming a bad influence for her son Yitzchak. He was mitzachek. Rashi says that that means that he was Eved Avedizara. I saw a chazal in the Medrash, but it's brought here in Rashi at Bekitzer, that he, uh, he was teaching a murder, or maybe he was trying to even murder Yitzchak. So obviously it was not a good idea to keep the two, uh, these two young men in the same quarters. So Sarah basically tells uh, Avram Avinu to get rid of his son and also his mother, get rid of them, evict them, because he has nothing to do with my son. He's not going to inherit with him. Avram Avinu did not like this at all. It seemed very bad in his eyes to evict his own son and his, uh, and his mother from his house. But Hashem says you have to listen to whatever Sarah Imenu tells you. Whatever Sarah tells you, you must listen to. Um, because Yitzchak is going to be your main descendant. And then, uh, basically, they go, they, they're sent out to the Midbar. The water runs out of her flask. She basically has no water left to drink in the middle of a desert. And she throws her son under one of the bushes. And, uh, and she didn't want to look at the death of her own son. And she uh, begins to, uh, uh, to cry. Hashem hears uh, the voice of the Nar. And, uh, and a Malach comes and says to Hagar that um, don't be afraid. Hashem has heard uh, the voice of, the, of your boy. And basically, she, she's told to take the, take the son, hold him by the hand, and then all of a sudden, Hashem opens up her eyes, and she's able now to see a be'er mayim, a, uh, a water uh, well. So, it's very interesting, right? A minute ago, she was starving, she had no water, dying of thirst, and all of a sudden, she opens up her eyes, and she sees a well which is a, uh, a shmuz in and of itself, how you see from this that Hashem, and it's a medrash really, that Hashem does not permit you to see only what He wants you to see. Vayiftach Hashem, what's the Lashon in the Pasuk? Vayifkach Hashem elikim neha, that uh, Hashem opened her eyes and suddenly she sees a barmayim. There's a, uh, a segula, by the way, if anyone ever loses something. So there's a, something to say, like there's a medrash, that a little keta, a little quote from a medrash, that if you say it, 
it's supposedly Badukumanusa, it's tried and true that you'll find that object. So I was a little bit of a disbeliever. And once I lost, um, I'm embarrassed to say it because it's so long ago that it's going to make me sound a lot older than I think I really am. But in the olden days, instead of having a phone, they had something called an organizer. Organizer was about the size of an iPhone, but it couldn't make calls. It couldn't really tell time. All it did was it had, um, it had like your, all of your, um, your contacts but you have to like type it out on a little, it's very cute, but basically all of my contacts, whatever there were, hundreds of contacts, there was no backup, you couldn't back up these files, so whatever was in here was yours, so I lost it, I could not find it, and I really, really needed this badly, and I was looking all over our apartment, we were living in Brooklyn at the time, I was looking under the beds and in the dressers, behind it, wherever it could possibly have fallen, I was there, and I did not see it, and I was going literally crazy because my whole life, all of my contacts, without that I wasn't able to call anyone to... Today, I guess on an iPhone, if you store it in a cloud, you could sort of maybe back it up if you're lucky, but uh, anyway, so... And then I gave money to Mayor Balaness. I said this little quote. I think it, it goes something like, it's a medrash that says... Does anyone know what I'm talking about, by the way? Yeah. That, that a, a person can only see... Um, if Hashem opens up their eyes, and then it brings this pasuk about Hagar, that all of a sudden she opened up her eyes, she saw well, which is a tremendous insight. It means that the object is there somewhere. You just don't have yet the, the ability to see it, but it's right there in front of you. So I said this thing, and then literally, maybe within five minutes, I looked under the bed for the 50th time, and it was right there. I was so happy, but it's an amazing, it's such an amazing insight that, that it's not that things are lost, nothing's lost, it's there. It's just Hashem, for some reason, is testing us. He doesn't want us to, uh, to know where it is, but when the time comes and you do tshuva or whatever you have to do, then Hashem will open your eyes and enable you to see what you, uh, what you were not able to see previously. So let's look... Um, and from the well, it says she filled up the chemas maim, the jug of water. She filled it up. Now let's see the sheet that we handed out. And on that pasuk, it says hada amris From this we learn, this is a medrash rabba, that she was lacking emuna, sort of like the shmuz that we spoke about by Nayach. Is right. It was miktani uh, emuna. He was maimin veina maimin. So this is sort of along that same line that Hagar was lacking emuna to a certain degree. Why? What did she do that was so terrible? Bimala es chemes b'mayim eisa Hagar l'chayres ha-davar ha-gyayni What she did, she filled up the canteen. Right? They're in the middle of a desert. Her and her son were, were, were dying of thirst. All of a sudden, Hashem opens up her eyes and she sees a well. And she filled up her canteen with, uh, full of water. Is that something that sounds so terrible? That's a very rational, natural thing. I think everyone in this room would do the exact same thing. Why are we castigating Hagar that she's mechuseris emona? She's lacking emuna. So it's as something so logical, so rational. Your son is sick. 
and you're stuck in the middle of a desert, Tayim Beleva Midbar, Hashamim Vayekid, a desolate, empty, dry, parched, arid desert. Ulam, so what's wrong? What is she, let, let's get to the bottom of it. What, what, what she do that's wrong? Ulam, Bemedrish, Nishmas, Tevi al Hagar, but there seems to be a taina against Hagar. Instead of filling up halfway the canteen, she, she, she decided to fill up the whole way. And for that, she was very, the, the medrash sort of rakes her over the coals that she's mechusas emano. So what does that mean? And now we know that there's importance to doing Hishtadlis. We're going to be spending a lot of time this year discussing um, Hishtadlis. I'm very excited. I hope it's on an off... Sh- well, it doesn't matter. It's Tuesday. But Parashas Miketz, uh, Parashas Miketz, I think it is, is a very famous base Halevi that we're going to Hashem, learn together. Very Yisaitistic base Halevi. So we're talking here really more, maybe a little bit about Bitachen slash Amuna, not just pure Amuna today, but... This whole year we're going to be talking about Amuna and Bitafen because they go very much hand in hand. Amuna is really just basic faith and Bitafen is trusting in Hashem. Trust, put, put your trust in Hashem. So here we know that there is, on one hand you have to have faith in Hashem, you have to put your trust in Hashem. On the other hand, you have to do Ishtadlis, you have to like be normal. You can't put a blindfold on and walk in the middle of a... Uh, you know, in the middle of a, of a busy street and, and say, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I have bitachem Hashem. You have to also do normal stuff. You have to make sure that you're not doing foolhardy things and dangerous things. So there is a fine line between them, but why in the world she's doing her ishtadla, she's filling up her bucket, she's filling up her canteen, why are we calling her mechuser samuna? That's the question that we're going to deal with tonight. So Reb Chasman, Reb Leib Chasman says, in a safer R Yahel, if you want to see it inside, we have it in the base medrash. He explains it with a mashal. Adam achas im If let's say you're in a in a limousine with a king, and the king is known as a very generous guy. You're on Air Force One, and the, the president is a very nice guy, very generous, very good-hearted. So you don't have to worry like, oh my gosh, I'm going on Air Force One, what am I going to have to eat? No, you'll, you'll, you'll be taken care of, you'll be okay. You know, they'll have plenty of drinks for you, they'll have plenty of, of food for you, pretzels for you, maybe they'll throw in some kosher, but you're fine. You're with a king, the king can manage, He's, he can take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. That's petty. That's nothing for the king. Let's say you bring on to Air Force One a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, uh, you know, and a couple of bisleys and, uh, and some soda. So that's going to be very, very embarrassing. First of all, you obviously don't know how generous the king is. It's very nice of the king that regardless of the fact 
that you're, you don't trust him, that you brought a, you're, you're brown bagging it on Air Force One, he's still letting you onto Air Force One and making believe like he didn't see that bag that you brought on the plane. B'day melakach, as a similar thing, we're all in the Air Force One of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Called Daiga, Eifai, Mitzidenu, Kamaiha, Kehechacha, Al-Katnes, Amuna. When we worry, and who doesn't worry, right? We're all worried, I guess, in a certain, to a certain degree. We're worried about, about different things, about Parnassa and about career and about issues that we have socially and physically. And uh, there's a million things, I guess, that we could worry about, what we're going to do career-wise, how we're going to pay for that career, how we're gonna, if we're going to get married, who we're going to marry, how we're going to be able to pull off being married, like financially. There's a lot of questions. But in a way, if we'd have real bitachin, and I don't mean that we're holding here yet, but in a perfect world, and hopefully we'll get there slowly, but in a perfect world, if you'd really, really have bitachin, you would feel like you're on Air Force One. Like there's, you, you're fine. You'll be taken care of. You have, you have a lot of food. You have a lot of, of the Chavis Havavis puts it the best. He says that if a person has bitachin and Hashem, so it's like you have a, a money tree growing in your backyard, or, or just to like modernize the, the muscle, I like to call it like you have an ATM machine in your basement. Every time you need money, you go down to an ATM machine, you need $100, take out $100. You need $1,000, take out $1,000. Whatever you need, you get. That's really what a person has if he, if he trusts in Hashem, because Hashem is an ATM machine that never runs out of money, he has limitless supplies of food. He has, and, and, he, and we're his sons. We trust him. So if we really trust him, we'll go through life and not worry. We, we won't have any worries in the world because Baruch Hashem, you know, we have, Hashem is on our team. And Hashem, ha, imagine if you had like a very wealthy uncle and, you know, your uncle is like a billionaire and he loves you like crazy. You're the apple of his eye. And he just, you know, he says to you, whatever you need, you come to me. And if you need a job, you come to me, I'm going to give you a great paying job. And if you need a car, you come to me. Imagine if you have such a, your life would be so, so much more pleasant, right? You don't have to worry about the things that mere mortals have to worry about. So this, the Muster's Farm tried to explain to us, and again, we're thinking, yeah, but I don't have a rich uncle. So, you know, I'm sort of, it's sort of not a good muscle. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our rich uncle. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Anila Daidi. Daidi is an uncle. It's a, he, he has everything in the world. We say every day in Shemana Esrei, and I always, when I think about it, it's like an amazing thing. We say in Shemana Esrei, V'kainei hakail. What does it mean, V'kainei hakail? HaKadosh Baruch Hu owns everything. He owns everything. There's nothing that he doesn't own. So if you walk, you know, by in midtown Manhattan, you're looking up at all the skyscrapers and say, wow. Who owns that? And who owns that? Well, this guy is owned by, you know, uh, you know, this is owned by Jeff Bezos, owned by Donald Trump, this is owned by, you know, all right. But it's not true. They don't really own it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu owns everything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the largest real estate uh, owner in, in the world because he owns every part of the land. And he's, he's, he has the most cash in the world because he owns every dollar, every peso, every shekel is his. He owns everything. He gives it to us. He lends it to us but it's on loan, but it's really his. And so if you have 
a kesher with, with, with a being that is v'kainya akal and you believe it, then we shouldn't be that worried like we are. Like, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, I'm running out of money. How am I going to pay for things? What am I going to do when I retire? A lot of people are worried about retirement. That's 30 years down the road. What am I going to do? Now, you should be, and it's smart to have financial planning. It's always a good idea. But to be worried and to be anxious and to be nervous is like a, a chutzpah for Hashem, that Hashem should see that we have no real faith in Him and that we don't trust Him enough to not worry as much as we do. Again, we can't be worry-free. It's impossible. We all have worries, and that's, that's natural. But there's worries, then there's real worries. And a person you know, should try to really limit uh, the, the scope of his, of his insecurities because you have Hashem on your side. This is exactly, says Rebbe Chasman, the tzviya that was issued against Hagar. It seems to be like a, you know, it seems to be exaggerated. Like, what, right, what are you doing? Why, why, what'd she do that was so bad? She filled up her jug a little bit. She saw that suddenly there was a beautiful spring that cropped up out of seemingly nowhere in the middle of a desert. She saw that nace. She should have known that Hashem is with her. And not abandoned and not letting her just go. She should feel confidence in that. And just like I have water now, I will trust in Hashem that I will have water going forward. So why would she fill it up all the way? Why would she fill it up all the way? Now, this is not something that is something that we would, Hashem would have a tain on us for because we're not holding by that madrega. We don't see nisim gluyim like, like Hagar did. So our madrega is much lower than hers is, but on our own level, our job in life, and this is really what we're going to be working on this year, is to build up the emuna and the bitachen in our, uh, in our cars, the gas that we put in our cars, that we have enough that should be able to get us through without being so nervous. I'll just tell you a story that happened mamish today. It's, uh, it, it's just, you know, it just goes to show, like, because you need to talk about when you see like hashkacha pratis, you need to speak about it, or you need to write it down because otherwise you forget it. If I asked you, uh, did you ever have a great hashkacha pratis story? You know that you just uh, that comes to the top of your head. You know, anyone have a hashkacha pratis story? Okay, let's go. Let's hear it. Um, my uncle. Uh, found, this just happened like two days ago. Um, few years ago, my uncle found a black hat on a subway, and he left it in his closet, and no, you know, didn't hear from it again, like he didn't even think about it. When he passed away, uh, not long ago, we were looking through his stuff, and we found the hat, and his wife was going to donate it, and my, my mother's like, you know, let's see the name, it said M. Schwartzberg, and my father's like, I know one guy, the same initials, and he just, we were able to find out it was that guy, yeah. we returned it to him, like, last night. Kind of crazy. Mm. Wow. So we helped complete the Shazavita. Very good. Wow. Beautiful. Shaker. Yeah. 
Um, when I was in there at Strill, this year I had to come back, um, back to America for my sister's wedding. And I did not think I was going to really come back to Israel afterwards when I was there for trying to bet. They told me I, I need a visa to go back into Israel. So I had to go to one of all these Israeli offices to ask them for a visa to get back in. And they basically all told me that I, I have no luck and I'm going to have to go to America. And I waited in America for two months to get a, to get a visa, so I'll miss like, the end of China Bed in Israel. Which is pretty, uh, pretty tough. And on the way out, I like my third uh, appointment to go try to get a visa. I happened to bump into Yankee Derry. His father is in charge of like everything that goes on in Israel. And he was like the one person in Israel that was able to get me a visa in like two days. And I didn't bump into him. I would never. You would have come to Yeshiva much earlier then. You would have come here much earlier. I'll tell you my story. <laughs> That's true. So, so I'll tell you a story that happened to me this afternoon. So lately, I don't know why it is, but lately I've had these terrible headaches, like terrible migraine headaches. And also, um, and my, my neck has been killing. Like, I don't know what it is. It's, it gets me a little nervous, but it's a different story. So, um, and I can't sleep at night. Like, I wake up after two hours, and I, I have no place. I have to, like, like, walk around the house. I have to, like, lie on the floor. Like, very painful and very, like, uh, I sleep, like, maybe, like, one or two hours a night, and then I can't, and then it's very painful. Anyway, so... I've had this like mamish chronically for about three weeks now and I'm taking, I'm popping like all the leaves that my body can handle and Excedrin for my headache, it's not good. So all of a sudden like today at like four o'clock I was in my office doing my work and, uh, and all of a sudden like I felt like 100% better, like everything was like gone, it was just like I felt, you know, I'm not perfect, perfect, but like I felt like... Suddenly I can move my back again, my neck, my headache like sort of subsided. And then my daughter calls me uh, from Israel and she says to me, uh, she's schmoozing, I didn't even tell her about it, I didn't want to get her scared, but my wife told her about it, so she doesn't care I guess about getting her scared, but um, she asked me, how's your neck? So I said, you know, it's been really tough, you know, a couple of weeks, but Baruch Hashem, like, now it just happens to be like it went away. She says, what time did it start going away? So I said, about an hour ago, like I looked at, you know, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. So she said, when mommy told me to, that your, that your neck was hurting, so I went to Kever Rachel, and I davened for you at exactly that time in Israel. So mom, I had no idea that she went, that she went to Kever Rachel, and, uh, and she didn't know that my headache went away, but like, you know, we put it together and uh, so when you see these types of stories, all these stories, and I'm sure, you know, you have to like write them down because if you ask me the story in a month from now, I'm not going to remember. You know why? Because the Yetzirah doesn't want you to remember because if you remember these stories, then you, you'll have so much stronger Bitachan and Amunah and Hashem, and you know, and you're going to get through the stuff that's hard in life because you know, you're going to know that there is a God in this world. So He doesn't want that. So it's very important to write all these things down whenever something happens to you, or you hear about another story. But that's the uh, that that's the importance of 
being able to remember that there's Hashem in the world. So, and the more that we're able to realize that, the greater our levels of bitachin could be. If, we, if, we're in the, if we're in the dark about this and we're not sure, that's when life gets scared. When, there, when the lights are out, it's ner- you get nervous. When, when the lights are on, you're not so nervous. If you can keep the lights on in your life, recognizing that Hashem exists, first of all, that He exists. I know that sounds like, like Aleph Bez, but it's not always, we don't always remember that Hashem exists. We sometimes think that, you know, we exist, and it all is depending on us, but Hashem exists. Hashem is, is a kol yachal. He could do anything that He wants. And the more that we recognize how powerful He is in the small things that are happening in our life, or even the big things that are happening in the world, we're able to then tap into that and use that to enable us to, to have more trust in Hashem and to be more comfortable believing in Him and trusting Him. So what Hagar did, according to Ablaib Chasman, what she did wrong, it sounds to us like normal ishtadlis. Of course she's going to fill up her, her jug. Why should she only fill it up halfway? Let her fill it up the whole way already. Because she who sees the Yad Hashem, she comes from the house of Avraham Avinu, she saw Malachim there, she saw Nisim there, and, and she herself just saw that there's a well that came out of seemingly nowhere in the middle of a desert, so you have to at one point say, yes, there's a God in the world and I could trust in Him. For her to fill up her, her jug all the way shows that her, her faith in Hashem was still lacking at that, at that so clear a moment in her life. So that's why the Medrash calls her that she was Mechuseris Emana. Let's skip to the last paragraph over here. The Amru Chazab Mesechus Megillah. Lo Yadi Rabbanon Maidachsev Hashlech Al Hashem Yehavcha. There is a pasuk in Tilim, a great pasuk in Tilim, Nonei. It says Hashlech Al Hashem Yehavcha. Throw upon Hashem your Yehavcha. Now the word Yehavcha is not apparently understood by the Gemara. It's not clear what it means. We know you're supposed to throw something on Hashem. We don't know what, what that means. So, Amar Rabbah Vavrachana, Zimnin Chada, once upon a time, Havazilna Bahadehahutaya, I was walking with an Arab, uh, an Arab merchant or an Arab salesman, Vikadarina Tuna, and I was carrying like a, a, a baggage, a piece of baggage. The Amrlani said to me, take your Yahavecha, take your package, and throw it on my camel. Anyone remember that Gemar and Megillah? You didn't have a lander Megillah Bukhina? Okay, so Midas Habitachin They they didn't know what? Shia, you took it? You know? You know the Gemara? Right. So, so, they didn't know, they did not know um, what this means. They saw this Arab, this Arab uses this word, Yahavcha, take your package and throw it on my camel. They chapped, oh, we know now what Yahavcha means. It means, a, it means a piece of luggage. What does that mean? What do you do with this Gemara? So he says like this, until they saw it from this Arab, they didn't understand how far the Bitachan goes. 
The same way that when you throw a heavy bag on top of a camel, you don't feel the package anymore. You're schlepping a, you're schlepping a duffel bag, okay? It weighs uh, 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 70 pounds. And then, you know, and, and, and it's so heavy. But now you throw it on top of your donkey. You put it in the, in the trunk of your car. You just throw it in. Do you care anymore about how heavy it is? No, because you're not schlepping it anymore. So who cares? It's only a problem when you have to schlep it. Once, like you give it in to the check-in at the airport, now it's not your problem. The plane is going to carry it. So, this is how Midas Habitachin is. This is exactly Midas Habitachin. You throw your package on Hashem and let him schlep it. Let him schlep it. He's happy to schlep it for you. You don't have to schlep it yourself. This shows, and we needed to hear it from an Arab, but it shows how great the Midas Habitachin and Hashem reaches, extends to. If you're still nervous about your parnasa, he says, that shows that you haven't thrown your bundle, you haven't thrown your package on Hashem. If you want to know if you've graduated from the school of Bitachen or not, am I really about Bitachen? Yeah, I have Bitachen. Really, I have Bitachen? If you have real Bitachen, that means that you can mamish like go to sleep at night without a worry in, in your... I don't care. I, but parnasa and tuition bills and this bill and that bill and kasnas and, and, and you know, all these things coming together. How am I going to pay for them all? You shouldn't have that. That should not be going through your head because you can throw your package on Hashem. Hashem is happy to schlep it, but you have to realize that he's schlepping it for you. That's the only thing he asks. Al Hashem and it's a, this is a very big challenge in our life because as much as we believe in God, we also don't fully trust in Him. If we would trust in Him, then we would be the happiest people in the world. I have all the money that I want. I have no worries. Hashem, is, Hashem has my back. But when we have worries, when we do have these worries, then it means that we don't fully trust in Hashem. And, you know, it's not a punishment to trust in Hashem. It's a great thing to trust in Hashem. It's something that we should want to do. It's not like, okay, you know, but, you know, but thanks very much, but that's, you know, pie in the sky. I have to, I'm a man, I got to, you know, no, no, you don't have to worry. It's not a cool thing to worry. It's a terrible thing to worry. Hashem doesn't want us to worry. Hashem wants us to be a relaxed, normal, happy, easygoing, you know, fathers that can come home and like just be chilled and happy, even if, even if there are issues with parnasa, even if there are health issues, just just try to relax, just be, be normal, be healthy. That's the goal in life. If, if we're going to hug our sho- shoes, right, and we're in our own desert, wherever it may be, and we, we need water, obviously, we're diving to Hashem, and we see a well, it would sort of make sense to fill it up all the way, because, like, I need, I need help, and Hashem is giving me help, and that's the water. Like, playing it only halfway, it'd be like, like, and I keep walking, you what, Hashem, he's giving me more water, Hashem would be like, why don't you just fill up all the way before him? Like, or is he going to give us another well? Fill up halfway? Like, how do we know when something good is happening for us that that isn't what sort of we were doubting from beforehand and that's really just, like, you're supposed to take halfway and have more, you know? I mean, yeah. 
I mean, it's sort of like the, I think we had a chazal the other, you know, a couple of weeks ago maybe, that um, that if you have what to eat today and you're worried about tomorrow, that's also considered mechusra amana. For, we're not, we're talking about extremely high levels of, you know, of, of, of bita. And it's very nagea like in life because uh, this happens every day. If you have a choice, I, I, I remember I had a professor once, he was a brilliant lawyer, like he taught business law, and uh, he was a from guy. He graduated top on his top of his class in Columbia Law, and he was working for the city. And I asked him like, "Why are you working? Why don't you work for?" The-? He said, "I don't want to. I wanted to be able to have like a normal life. I wanted to be able to work like nine to five, make a decent city parnasa, and and then just go home, learn." Like daven feel a bit seabird three times a day, have a family, have a life. That's what I wanted. So that's a person to me that he's doing his ishtadlis, but he's not overdoing his ishtadlis. Overdoing ishtadlis means that you have to take a job that's mamish paying you instead of paying you, let's say, a starting salary of $100,000. You need a starting salary of $250,000 because you want to really, you know, like, like chaperine and like be very wealthy and very quick, you know, and, but at the same time, it comes at a very heavy price. So that's sort of what I would make the analogy to hugger. Like, it doesn't mean obviously that, that we practically, we shouldn't fill up our, our, you know, our gas tank a whole way. We should only fill it up halfway. And, you know, we can't be, that's not, that's not the point. But the point is that in life, we have to like sort of, be happy with like being normal and not always having to overreach and being nervous about making it to the next step and the next. Obviously, it's good to be ambitious and it's good to be successful, but at what cost? And so, people that I be talking to, I don't. You're right. I could be making more money, but this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. I want to live comfortably, but not crazy. But then there are people that are. I have. I have a relative was literally he's he's a billionaire with a b like a crazy but he don't he's not a he's at least going back many years you know he uh he has uh you know he used to pace back and forth at night he couldn't sleep he's always worried he's a billionaire he doesn't have to worry he his his great great grandchildren will be will be doing just fine mit Hashem. he doesn't but it's just it's sort of just like certain people have this constant need to always have more and more and be more successful and more the and and it's good to want to be successful but not when it not when it interferes with life with being normal is it maybe that a lot of some people some of these people don't know how to give up self-control they don't want to give up control to a higher power right that's true that's right that's what it is we don't, that's exactly right that's the problem with bitachin bitachin is that when I trust Hashem, that means that I lose control. That's a very good point. It, you know, like, I want, to, I want to be in control. But the thing is that we're not in control. And the Chavetz Chaim used to say that somebody that works extra hard and thinks that he's going to make more money, it's like a guy that goes on the subway and he's like, he's late for an appointment, so he's like, stands by the front of the, the car that he's in, he's like pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, like, as if that's going to like, make him go faster. All you're doing is tiring yourself out. You're going to get there exactly the same time, but you're just stressing yourself out. So if you could actually control your own destiny, that's, that would be, at least it would be rationally sound, but you're not doing that anyway. Hashem is telling you exactly what you're going to make and how, how, how well you're going to do. And it's very important for us 
to be able, we're not expected to be perfect. You know, I'm certainly not holding here. I don't know how many people in this room are mamish holding, like with pure bitachin every day. They can wake up and just like whistle to yeshiva and everything is fine. But it's, it's a goal. It's a goal. It has to be a goal of our lives to try to really work on getting, uh, allowing, like you said, allowing ourselves to trust in Hashem to let go of that branch that we're hanging from and, like, you know, and, and trust Hashem that He's going to catch us, He's going to save us, and no matter what happens, there's a safety net. But when we don't believe it and we think that, you know, okay, I'm going to tough it out, Hashem doesn't want that. Hashem wants you to believe in Him. Hashem, it's not like, okay, I don't want to stress, I don't want to ask the President for, you know, for, to support me on Air Force One, but, you know, so that's why, no, 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 He doesn't, that's, that's, that's not what He wants. He wants to help you. He wants to feed you. He wants to clothe you. He wants to take care of you. All he needs from you is to believe that he has the, the power and the love to be able to provide for you, and, and you should believe in that. That's all he wants. That's the payment that we have to give Hashem. And it's, it's a very big challenge for a lot of people, but this is what we have to work on. This is like the, uh, this is the, uh, the, the job, the, the, the mission of our life to really try to build up our amuna and bitachin that we could live a happy life. It's not, not a more stress. It's, it's happier once you get to that zone of being able to trust in that higher being in HaKadosh Baruch Okay, everyone good? Okay.